All right, our next speaker is Jack Churchward. Now, those of you here, I always say they're into metaphysics. My daughter said they wouldn't be here if they weren't into metaphysics. <laughs> those of you who have been in metaphysics for a long time should know the name Churchward. James Churchward. How many of you remember his work? He's a pioneer, he's the forefather, he's the foundation of all the information of Lemuria, which he called the land of Mu. And he went back in the 1920s, and Jack's gonna be telling a lot of the story. Back in the 1920s, James Churchward wrote a whole series of books on the land of Mu about the continent in the Pacific. And as, you know, as far as we know, Lemuria preceded Atlantis. Lemuria was in the Pacific Ocean, a huge continent, and the Atlantis was in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, uh, James Churchward found this information. You're going to be going into more details, but is it okay if I say a little bit? Um, he went to Tibet and found ancient uh, tablets and scrolls in the monasteries and translated all these things. I said he preceded Zechariah Sitchin in going and finding unknown information and getting it out. So he was much, much older in doing this and he found the information in many other places also besides that. But in his day he was ridiculed the scientists made fun of him. What do you mean there was a continent out here in the middle of the Pacific? Nobody believed him. And this held on for a long time, even into your time, you said, where nobody would believe him. But now we know, it, it, in metaphysics, it's a fact there was a continent out there. So James Churchward is the forefather, pioneer of all the work that was ever done on Lemuria, the land of Mu. And his, this is his great-grandson. This is Jack Churchward. And he is brought back, he's an engineer, <laughs> but he has brought back his great-grandfather's work. And we put it out again, and uh, he has added his own research to the, whole, the grandfather's work. And so it's more information in that. But something else I was going to say. I was surprised that he, this is the exact copy of the original books, and it has the photographs in there that his great grandfather did on his research. It's all in here. It's called Lifting the Veil on the Lost Continent of Mu. Now, one thing you should know there's a lot of copycats on the internet, and the computers are saying they are putting out the work of James Churchward. They do not have permission to do this. Jack is the only one that has the copyrights, but many of them on the internet are, are using the same material. So you ought to know that. That's one thing wrong with the internet. People do tend to steal material, put it on as their own. But he is the original. This is a Jack Church word. It's, it's a great honor to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Dolores. Good afternoon. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about my book, 
lifting the veil on the lost continent of Mu, motherland of men. When Dolores mentioned that she wanted me to come and speak, I obviously wasn't thinking of this when I said yes, but I'm going to expand my horizons and, and we'll jump right in. First of all, this will be the only engineering slide or engineering-like slide. I want to set an agenda so that everybody can understand where we're going. First of all, I want to present an understanding, my understanding of James and discuss whether or not he's relative to de relevant today. Uh, some of my family background, some of James' theories, and James' influences. Also, I would like to present some motivations and stirring currents that uh, provide my background. And then I'd like to discuss lifting the veil on the lost continent of the motherland of men and how it is the def definitive edition of the book, of the 1926 book, and how it opens new avenues of research. So I'd like to discuss the, our churchward family background. In the Stoke Gabriel Parish records, the first record is of William Churchward, born in April 1529, and his father was Gabriel. The family property uh, since, 14, since the 1440s has been Hill House in Stoke Gabriel. It's one of the oldest, it was the oldest private residence in Britain until it was sold in the 1920s. There is a reference to it. It is the first place in Britain that tobacco was consumed. Sir Walter Raleigh's first mate was John Churchward, and they stopped at the family house and partook of the weed that came from the New World. Unfortunately, it was ended a little prematurely when a servant saw the smoke and came running in with a bucket to put out the, the fire. The quote, we, we churchwards have always been yeoman farmers, no, no uh, heralty or no uh, royalty in our family. We're the motto for the symbols, the uh, heralty symbol there is, means gentle in manner. It's supposed to, that's what most of us are kind of quiet, at least I am, and it's only, it's no longer applicable to the churchward family. The person that it was uh, given to has, has since passed away with, without uh, issue. So if I could go on a little bit about James, he was born in 1851 and died in 1936. He was born in Bridestow, Devon, in what they called at the time Stonehouse. Must have been the only stone house in Bridestow at the time. He's one of five boys and four and five four girls. His younger brother was Albert Churchward. He was uh, some people may be familiar with his works in books on Freemasonry. And until ten, he lived near Dartmouth, Dartmoor rather, and that is a place where there's many model uh, megaliths and some strange rock formations that are very old. He also wrote that he attended school in Torquay, which is some miles to the east of Stoke Gabriel. And subsequently, he lived in Oakhampton and later in London. 
1871, he married Lady Mary of Julius Stephenson, picture of her here. They owned tea plantations in Ceylon. Unfortunately, during one of the Indian uprisings, her father was killed, and she was raised by the uh, royal household back in, in Britain. My grandfather, James Alexander, was born in Ceylon in Colombo in September of 1872. James Pacific region's explorations and travels began in 1879. And the reason I mention William Brown Churchward is that he is mentioned in James some of James' correspondence as Uncle Willie. And Uncle Willie was the consulate of the uh, Samoan uh, people. He also wrote a couple books on my consulate in Samoa and Blackbirding in the Pacific, uh, First White Man on the Beach is what it was called. In the late 1880s and 90s, James interacted with the La Plongeance in New York. He also uh, inter interacted with many people at the Griffith household, Percy Tate Griffith being his biographer. He was an engineer, he had 31 patents, and in 1910, 1911 rather, he sued for $6 million for patent infringement. And in 1914, he was awarded that money, and he moved to Lakeville, Connecticut, bought himself a large estate, and continued his research. James was an avid sportsman, hunter, fisherman, and he wrote articles. Some of that is covered on my website uh, in blogs and also complete copies of his works. Of articles and <laughs> pamphlets, not his books. I don't have those online. He did appear early times on WNYC 1924 to 1925. Uh, one of the titles I'm aware of and I found most peculiar was Hunting Pygmies in Central America. James' first book was written in 1926. It was called The Lost Continent of Moo, Motherland of Men. In 1927, he wrote a book uh, on Niven's discoveries. Unfortunately, I can't pronounce the name. It's, but it's copies of stone tablets from, and it begins with an A, and it's really long and very difficult to pronounce. In 1931, he re-released Lost Continent of Mu and The Children of Mu. Sacred Symbols of Mu was followed in 1932, The Cosmic Forces of Mu in 34, and the second book of The Cosmic Forces of Mu in 1935. James moved to Los Angeles in December 1936, 1935 rather, and in January, 1936, he was uh, found dead in his hotel room. He, was, he is now buried in Valhalla, New York, in Kensico. So if I might briefly go through some of James Churchward's theories that come from the motherland of man, the lost continent of Mu, motherland of men. One thing is the, we have the lost continent of Mu here in the Pacific. It doesn't cover the entire. James said that this continent sunk 12 to 14,000 years ago, and he, he wasn't exactly sure of where 
the entire outline was, but he said she was sure it was close. And if you notice, there is Atlantis over here in the Atlantic Ocean. Another part of his theories, this is, came from a headline out of his scrapbooks, that there were 64 million white people on Mu when it was wiped out. He also located Eden, the lost garden of Eden in Mu. He said that Ezra mistranslated the Nikal tablets. Moses knew the proper translation that they were, did come from the Nikal Brotherhood of the continent of Mu. Unfortunately, they were mistranslated and the Garden of Eden was placed in the Levant, in the Middle East. He also said that the people of Mu populated our planet. As you can tell, he shows lines of immigration and migration. Another point was the Great Uyghur Empire. He called it the primary colony of Mu. This is, if it's hard to see, this is Asia, and you can see just the end of Mu right here. Now, James Churchward's influence. On Wikipedia, you can come across a, an ever-increasing list of computer games and books that are available, that reference James, that use him as inspiration. Mustafa Ataturk, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, the father of the modern Turkish nation, he read it, researched it, and was very interested in what James had to say. And that interest even includes today, where they're still coming out with books today. In the 1970s, some of you may remember Led Zeppelin IV. These symbols right here were uh, inspired by the release of the re-release of the sacred symbols of Mu. And even into the 1990s, they did another one, uh, another album, uh, not Led Zeppelin, but the KLF did an album and uh, came out with the song Bound for Moo Land. But all of this is, all James' influences are not just fun and games. For instance, Verdesi Gostin calls herself the Empress of Moo, and she claims U.S. sovereignty over the United States. She uses James' writing as proof, and she sells a citizenship in her empire, and you don't have to pay income taxes. Uh, Wesley Stipes found out about that. Um, James wrote something different. He said that all people came from Mu and that everybody was equal. There was no higher race. Another influence is D.M. Murdoch, also known as Acharya S., who uses James' writing to prove that Jesus didn't exist. Now, James would have rolled over in his grave. I am absolutely sure of that. And I did a podcast in November of 2007 to state that James would not have agreed with that. Well, after six months, they must have found it because then it was re removed from YouTube as hate speech. 
and, and they started in with the emails, and I won't, can't quote any of those emails, and I won't, but I did get it back out there. Uh, they can't take it down now, and, but I believe that respect for beliefs, for different beliefs, is a prerequisite or a cornerstone for people being tolerant. Another influence is under the banner of the great Uyghur Empire, the Polatkaya says that everyone speaks Turkish. He says that the original high civilization was Turkish and that right now everybody has taken words from the Turkish, rearranged the letters, and now we're actually speaking Turkish, but we don't know it. But that's what he says. Kazim Mursan, who is Uyghur from Gulja city, he disputes the fact of the dating of the great Uyghur empire. Now there is a historical great Uyghur empire from the 8th and 9th century in Central Asia. We know it's the 8th and 9th century. There's documents written about it. Unfortunately, he wants to say it's 16,000 years old and just completely ignores any records to the contrary. And I wanted to mention about the pyramids in China. These pyramids are near Qian, China. These, this was the, uh, excuse me, the capital of the, both the Tang and the Han dynasty. And the people buried their emperors in enormous, that looks like pyramids, but actually they, they're flat top. So not really pyramids, but these are, are well-documented. The people around there have always known that Han and Tang dynasty emperors were born there. Unfortunately, some of the proponents of this theory believe that the Chinese people are just lying because they're Uyghurs and they should be Uyghurs and not Chinese. And I don't, I'm not going to call the Chinese people liars if they have records that show that. So is James relevant today? Well, there's books and articles still being written. I know that two e-books will be released this summer that are from James Penn. I am aware of a complete book that has never seen the light of day. Someone was, I was lucky enough to see some scans that someone sent to me. And then while I was writing this PowerPoint presentation, there came out an announcement of somebody else who is also releasing a new book on the lost continent of Mu. So I asked the question, should we understand what he wrote? And I, I think the answer to that is yes, it's very relevant because you have people that are making things up that can get people in big trouble. And we don't need that. And I want to make sure that, that James isn't responsible for it. So one, another thing is that James gave us a recognition of our shared human existence, that we were all born in the same place, that we're all from the same place, and that eventually, through understanding, we can come back to where we are, one people. So there's the natural disasters and things are the only thing that provides suffering to people as opposed to hatred and bigotry. Well, I'm going to provide some of my motivations and why I'm, I was motivated to, to write and add some research to this book. Well, first of all, I am born a churchward. 
James is obviously there, and my great my grandfather, and my father was born in Brooklyn. Uh, there is a a little bit of disparity in the years. He was an older man. I do have two older sisters, both are older than my mother. There's a picture of me at five days old. On one hand, I was also, I was asked constant questions. Uh, are you related to James Church Ward? And the other one was, the next question would be, what do you believe? So I've always had curiosity. and. That only got worse after email came around because then people could find me and write me emails and ask me questions. On the other hand, my father knew Mary Julia and their marriage ended in a negative note. So James was not her favorite person and it was almost a sin in deference to her that it was even discussed in my house. My father's told a story of one garden party that he was invited to. He was, they found out that uh, some individuals had found out that he was uh, the, great, the grandson of James Churchward, and they wanted to hear what he had to say about what his grandfather had said. And it was a, a wondrous affair, a manicured lawn party, and they had caterers, and the tables and everything were set up real nice, and everybody arrived in their cars. and finery and uh, my father showed up in a Hawaiian shirt, shorts and sandals and everything was fine until they asked him what he thought and I can't repeat his answer but he said it was baloney. Uh, needless to say he was never invited back. So I've always had on one hand people asking me about it and on the other hand I've always been told no. So as a youth, I spent an entire summer at the Bay Pines site in Seminole, Florida. I learned how to excavate, learned all the basics. And then I became a Boy Scout and earned my Eagle Badge. I learned a healthy respect for the outdoors and, and the workings of nature. As an adult, I spent six years in the United States Navy. I was stationed in Iceland and Bermuda. Got to do a bit of exploring in some of the fun places. I went to the University of South Florida and got my Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering. There was never any doubt in my mind that I would have a degree in engineering. But those, that gave me the tools so that I could analyze data. And engineering is part of my family heritage. I'm a fourth generation engineer and a fourth generation patent holder. After school, obviously I had a little bit of political activities. I was introduced to Uyghur people, uh, Mongolian, some Tibetans, and some Chinese. And I know James wrote about the Great Uyghur Empire. I know he wrote about his studies and travels in Tibet to try to find the Nikal tablets or copies of them. And he also wrote a little bit about Mongolians. And I'm sure that he never met a Mongol because he always said they were brutish savages, and I've never met a, a brutish savage Mongol. I've, they're all right people, I thought. So, some other factors that came up were some recent scientific discoveries. If we look at the Doggerland in the North Sea, 
people are coming up with evidence of civilizations that, that live there, people that live there. There's also in the 1931 Children of Mu, James brought up that he saw on while he was traveling by ship, some sunken, uh, just something under the sea. He said there's got to be cities down there. And in January 2010, it was announced in the Indian press that they found the mythological city of Dwarka in the same area. Windover, Florida, the Windover Bog. James wrote that savagery did not exist until after Mu sank. Everybody was happy and healthy. They found 69 bodies there. Each of them still had the brain material because it was in a tannic acid filled bog. And they were able to obtain DNA. Uh, the DNA didn't match any DNA that they'd found previously. But that wasn't the amazing part of it. The amazing part was is that they found a teenager with spina bifida. How could, I mean, how could you not say that that is possible, that there was no savagery there? Is it, is it evidence of a colony of Mu? I don't know, but Gobekli Tepe is a site that was recently discovered in Turkey. It's an 11,000-year-old temple complex of megaliths, and supposedly before civilization was ever found. I've also been privy to witness some unique phenomena. Uh, I'm not going to go into details about it, but I, I watched a person reach into a fire and pull out a burning log. I watched a person reach into a 350-degree oven and take the pan out and put it on the counter with the food cooked right on top of it. I've also watched them move enormous boulders. I'm not going to disclose any facts, any uh, further details about it, but that's what I saw. And another thing is that I also have some original source material. I have a copy of the James original biography, typewritten. And I was also lucky enough to be able to purchase some of James' scrapbooks, which some of these pictures came from his scrapbooks. So if I can quickly summarize, it can't all be rejected because some of it points to it that James was right. So what is right? And before I'm able to answer that question, I have to, to look through the information and, and, and determine it myself. Also, James is used in inoffensive entertainment and as a reference. I don't have any problems with that. But sometimes there are twisted and dishonest interpretations of his work that, how can they say those things? And I want to stand up and, and shout them down. Quietly, of course. <laughs> and it almost seems like there's predetermined circumstances that keep leading me to this investigation, to my research. The people that I met in my political activities are affiliated with, with J in James' books. Uh, the factors that I've seen, it's just all pointing to it. And also that James' underlying message that there was no savagery before 
that we are all from the same planet, that we all come from the same place, and that we can return there. So how can we reject that? And especially today, when there's terrorism and people doing all kinds of mean things to their fellow human beings. So now I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about lifting the veil on the lost continent of Mu, motherland of men. This will be the definitive edition of the 1926 book. Contained therein is the complete original book. Uh, this was Jane's first book on Mu, and it covers an amazing range of material. So I'm going to attempt to give a very short synopsis. There was a continent of Mu that sunk 12 to 14,000 years ago. The Nikal Brotherhood was the, were the keepers of the inspired, sacred inspired writings of Mu. And that cataclysm sunk Mu, Atlantis, and destroyed the great Uyghur Empire. And that James wrote about the discovery of those tablets. On chapter one, page one, James states that the Garden of Eden was Mu, that there were 64 million inhabitants, that the civilization was 50,000 years old, and that it was superior to the early 19th century civilization. So essentially the first seven chapters of the book provide evidence of Mu. Chapters eight and nine, he discusses symbols and what he's learned from his discoveries of the Nikal tablets and translating them. Chapters 10 through 12, 10 is on American discoveries, 11 is on Yucatan discoveries, and chapter 12 is on Central America, the information there. Chapter 13, he discusses the geography which caused Mu to sink. Chapter 14, he discusses the origin of savagery and how there was no savagery before. 15 is on ancient religious conceptions and what he felt about them and ancient secret mysteries and how the rites and the ceremonies are used to, to bring enlightenment, to bring that moment, the aha moment to people. And in chapter 17, the coping stone, he called it Omega, the coping stone, the end of his book. He provided evidence that there's a divine spark that sets people apart, that allow people to grow and advance in their consciousness. Some of the additional materials that I've added to his book, there's a persons of interest appendix. Everybody got a listing that's mentioned. When I had more information, I provided an entry in the persons of interest appendix in the back. There are 41 entries. And the same is true with the printed works. I have added 270 new footnotes and an index. Now the index will be good for everyone's copy, whether it's old or new, because we've kept the same pagination throughout. Plus, I have some re unique research in that I have included information from Jane's scrapbooks in this. So opening up new avenues of research, for instance, if you are interested in William Niven's discoveries in Mexico City, you could look him up in the Persons of Interest appendix in the back. 
you'd be able to find out what pages in the scrapbook actually referred to William Niven. You could also find out where his biography is and what other works he wrote. For instance, I have the entire copy of, from James' scrapbook of buried cities of, of Mexico City that uh, was a magazine article that James included. It's copied quite a bit from. Also, if you were interested in the Denmen of Nebraska, it's about Professor Gilder, who excavated these dens in, in Nebraska, obviously, found some unique materials, including an Egyptian, what he believed to be an Egyptian uh, soapstone carving. I included the complete article from James Scrapbooks, when you'll be able to also read about the Chinese sculpture that was also found, but James didn't mention it. And I guess the final example would be the Great Uyghur Empire uh, by Peter uh, Kozlov. And he supposedly excavated the great city of Karahota in Central Asia. And since 2006, I've been communicating on via my website and blog and asking people, please provide me some more information that elucidates any information, provides any amplifying information about the Great Uyghur Empire. And unfortunately, I have been unable to find that. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had access to the Turkish writings on the subject. But included in James' scrapbooks were three pages of the complete article that was written about Kozlov's discoveries. So with the publication of this book, that is no longer the case. There is information out there, and it does exist. Now, lifting the veil on the lost continent of Mu, motherland of man, contains the original text plus my accumulated research. And I want to say that's my research. I've taken a critical examination of the material to allow more people to dig out whatever truth you can from the volume. One last word. Whether or not you agree with James, it doesn't matter. I think we can all agree that his realization brought out in chapter 17 that all human beings have a spark of the divine is meaningful and relevant. And armed with this, every human can advance and assume, their and assume their full potential, even ascension to higher consciousness. Thank you.